0: We're continuing our Sermon on the Mount series. And today is a part two of uh, learning to pray. And Jesus taught the disciples to pray in a commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. It's probably more fitting to call it Disciples' Prayer. The Lord Jesus has taught this pattern of prayer Not only for his disciples, but we as followers of Jesus Christ in the 21st century to pray. As I mentioned, we're going to just focus on one verse, verse 10. But uh, before we do that, maybe we should think about learning about prayer and how to pray. Why is it so difficult? Have you thought about that? Why is it so difficult for us to pray? There are at least four reasons in, in my assessment. Number one is a lack of faith. And does God really hear my prayers? Not to mention answering my prayer. Does he really lean and interested? There's so many things in the world and so many prayers. Does he... Really hear my prayer. And number two is self-centeredness. Self-centeredness is rooted from the man-centered approach to spirituality and prayer as well. The question that comes to my mind is what can I get out of this? So prayer is something that we could use to get things from God. That's a self-centered approach. So you imagine that uh, your children and my children comes up to us, comes up to us and say, um, "I thought about what I'm going to say to get you to give to me what I want." Versus Dad, Mom, could I have this, something that I really want for my birthday? Actually, Soren said that I didn't answer yet, but Soren's coming, birthday is coming May 31st. And he said, something I asked for last year, can you give it to me? Um, If he had an attitude, I will probably say no right away. But because he has such a good attitude, not self-centered. Dad, I know this is something you don't have to do. But I would like, because you did ask me what what I want for my birthday. Self-centeredness leads us to getting nowhere. Instead of an hour of sweet hour of prayer... It becomes a one minute. After saying all the things that we need to say about what I need, we get stuck. Nothing Nothing else to pray for. So I pray for myself in my way and I get stuck going nowhere in prayer. Reason number three is actually the nature of prayer itself. And naming specific problem in that is wandering thoughts. If you are distracted in your prayer, and you're supposed to focus on God and praying and talking with God, and all of a sudden the list of things to do come up, and all these random thoughts come up, just know that. That's a typical experience anybody would have, including pastors and missionaries, including people who pray for 30 years in in their closet. Because the nature of prayer is that it requires us faith, requires our faith to trust that first of all, God exists and that God is the God of the Bible who is our Abba, father who cares who wants the best for us that he actually hears but we can't see we're not sure that God doesn't you know show up a typical person will say in this room that I'll believe and I'll be it's so cool to to talk to but faith is hoping in what cannot be seen God is spirit and God requires us to have a relationship with him through Lord Jesus his grace but by faith so what do we do with wandering thoughts number four is Satan's disturbances as much as God and angels are real. Satan and his demons are real. And when we say spiritual battle, a battle against three enemies, starting with Satan himself and his army, and the world under Satan's dominion, the worldly things are influenced by Satan until the consummated consummated kingdom of God comes that we will see no more the influence of evil one anymore number three the flesh the sin nature that we live, live in it. we are against the schemes of the devil working in those three things and sometimes he directly disturbed us but sometimes through our sin nature a pride or other things come up a laziness, spiritual laziness but Satan de- definitely is involved in this I'll tell you this much from my own experience not just uh, from the scripture if you have no desire whatsoever to pray no desire to whatsoever to please God and glorify God no desire to be a Christ follower today and every day, the devil and his army will leave you alone. Because in the battle, the sleeping enemy has no threat. But once you decide from your men's group, or your woman's group, home group, Exodus study, and from Sermon on the Mount and Sunday, you're prompted by the Holy Spirit, encouraged and challenged. I will talk with God by faith. I will meet with God in my time alone with God, through scripture and through prayer, then the alarm will go on. And I've experienced so many times whenever I wanted to have the deliberate time of prayer, all kinds of disturbances, distractions happen. Not only my wandering thoughts, but something happens to prevent that. And it is real. Re- Just think about these four reasons. There could be several more, but in my own assessment, the reason why I mentioned this is learning to pray through the Lord's pattern of prayer helps us to overcome. So we will revisit at the end of the message. For now, let's recap uh, verse 5 through 9, last uh, week's Message. According to Jesus' teaching, our prayer must be, number one, not hypocritical to be seen by people, to be rewarded by people, and you have already received your word, reward, Jesus said. But pray to your Father who is unseen, who sees you in secret. Who will reward you? The rewarding means, not necessarily there's a materialistic reward or a little metal give it to you, but that is experience itself, spiritual practice itself will be sprinkled with God's presence. that we will experience actually, the reality of God's presence with us. So secrecy, not for the sake of secrecy, but secrecy to to read of our ulterior motive is a beautiful thing Jesus teaches us. Secondly, our prayer must be not mechanical, but thoughtful. The first one was a problem of Pharisees hypocritical religious people or Judaism believers, right? The second is pagan, non-believers. But these pagans are religious pagans as well. The non-believers pray in such a way that there is a superstition and they're using some kind of a formula It's a formulaic transaction. Don't pray like that because they babble thinking that they would be heard by many words, Jesus said. But do not be like them. We ought to be thoughtful and pray like this. Jesus is teaching us. One, One thing that I think it's clear is that Repetition for the purpose of repetition and babbling, uh, gibberish things is wrong. But there is a, for example, there's a Jesus prayer, uh, typically a sentence breath prayer that people say. And it's tremendously helpful when when you walk. And I swim every day, almost every day. Five, six a day, about five, at least five and six days a week, a little more than a mile. And then during the mile swim, it's just, gets really boring. And you get distracted. So I got it, one way do I do it is the odd numbers of counting very slowly in the water as I'm swimming. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. the even, even number of counting, I will say, Abba, I belong to you. I'm repeating, but it is still very meaningful. So in a way that mechanical and thoughtful is, whatever, you, your, what you're, whatever you're saying is disconnected with your mind, Jesus said, don't do that. Be thoughtful and articulate words. So in a way that you know those uh, times that you are having good thoughts but it's kind of vague thoughts even if you don't say anything in silent prayer we it's very helpful for us to verbalize in our head so that our, our prayers would be thoughtful as well as Just being quiet, just to listen to what God is speaking to your heart. Especially through the uh, scripture, as you meditate on the scripture. Thirdly, according to Jesus' teaching, our prayer must be not an impersonal transaction. I kind of went ahead, I, I guess. But as a personal conversation personal conversation it is revolutionary to know that up until Jesus time the word father was only used corporately with Jesus I mean the God Yahweh the Lord with Israel as a nation as God's chosen people but when Jesus used the word father it was personal Oh, it, it actually has a communal uh, aspect as well. It's, it's a, my Father, our Father. So we have to pray together. And that's uh, Jesus kind of balancing in those things. Pray in your closet. And it's uh, my Father listening to my prayer. Pray together is our Father in heaven. So think about that. The word Abba, as I mentioned, is a very endearing term. So we now know that it was used for adults, by adult children as well. So not necessarily daddy per se, but a most endearing term for calling our father. Dearest father. My dear, our dear father. And the other side of it is the father we know We are hearing, we trust, is in heaven. Not necessarily geographically, God exists everywhere. But heaven, heavenly, denotes that God is transcendent. God is not like me. God is holy. God is sovereign. God is all-powerful. So a couple of things... Before we move on to this, I, I want to quickly mention not only personal, intimate uh, conversation with God is, should be our prayer. But no, know that um, as we are approaching our Heavenly Father, we are not to project our man problem, human problem onto God especially for those of you had not a, such a good relationship with your earthly father. Or absent. Your, your father was absent when you're growing up. Maybe he passed away. Maybe he abandoned you. Maybe he moved away and divorced. But whatever the reason that we need to think about in heaven, that he's not like me, that he's not insecure. That he doesn't have a problem with what I'm asking. That is actually always consistently true and good. Our Father in heaven. We need to, we need to remember that. Lastly... In terms of the way that Jesus teaches us, it's not a formula, but it's a pattern. And the pattern suggests priority. What to pray first? If you are all wrapped up with getting God to give us something, then obviously we skip this part. Jesus says, don't put your knees first, our daily bread. And that's going to be actually coming up next week. And our forgiveness of sins and our deliverance from the evil one or evil itself. But God's glory first. Can I quickly add in this, before we go into today's text, is that, is this. It is not for us to Paid you so that God can give us what we need. In other words, to be centering on God's glory first is not ultimately because of what we want, is is a requirement, payment that we need to pay. That is a concept of a wrong thoughts of of God. Thinking rightly is important about God, remember? its essence of idolatry is to entertain wrong thoughts. Even though we don't bodily bow down, physically bow down to the idol, we begin to have this false image of God in us. So think rightly. God is not a useful God, practical, very convenient, efficient God. But God, according to scripture, is sovereign. Who calls us to into his plan to participate in his sovereign purposes. And for his glory to be our joy. So one, one way to look at, uh, we, we need to be cautioned ourselves is that centering and this priority on god and god's glory is not ultimately for my end but centering and having keeping the priority on god's glory is actually the key to unlock the my pre- most precious, precious most treasured joy is god himself who has everything i need i'm limited in my own understanding. So a lot of times it is true. We don't know even what to pray for. Holy Spirit leads us. And as we are concentrating on God's glory. Or walking in. God opens us. To his good will. And as a child we could <laughs> pray. And ask anything boldly. Without demanding this without demanding spirit this is the very reason scripture says the prayer of a righteous man and or woman prevails much it is effective why not because they don't they know how to ask for things but because they go into the presence of God and they know God's heart and God communes with that person and as a matter of fact, have you ever thought about this? God knows what we need even before we ask anything. One more thought. Have you ever thought about God gives us some things, very good things, even though we hadn't, we hadn't took the time to ask him? So we'll get to that, why then God desires us to pray and ask for things that he already knows that in his mind. And that's for next week. But this reminder from Martin Lloyd-Jones will be helpful for us to have this mindset as a right approach. Martin Lloyd-Jones writes, That is the way to pray, says Christ. Take these two things together. Never separate these two truths. Remember that you are approaching the almighty eternal, ever blessed, holy God. But remember also that God in Christ Jesus has become your Father, who not only knows all about you in this sense, in the sense that he is omniscient. He knows all about you in the sense that a father knows all about his child. He knows what is good for the child. So why is it important to have to make God center in our prayer? Because when we don't pray, the default mode is be man-centered me centered so in prayer the, this prompting that Jesus gave us through the pattern of his prayer is to make God deliberately the center of our lives center in praying for things and in so doing we need to remember that God is holy Yet God is so loving. God is greater than the universe. Bigger than the universe. But God is near. The psalmist's words helps us to even feel the human feelings when we pray. Incline your ears toward us, toward me. And he just imagine that Heavenly Father incline, leans over, and delights in what we pray. And let's remember that the well-meaning people that oh God knows everything. God is in sovereign will. So I'm just gonna leave him. So pray. I'm gonna pray like this. Bless the family and bless the our children, our our church. May your will be done. No, Jesus didn't do that. So we'll actually get to that critical tension there. Give us our bread, daily bread, not weekly bread, not monthly bread. Give us this day our daily bread. It's in line, in the context of God's glory that your kingdom come That your will be done so that your name will be hallowed, glorified, most valued, and treasured, not only in us as God's people, but in the whole earth. So here's the context of today's message uh, as we focus on verse 10. The three things that we need to meditate on. <clears throat> first of all, we need to think about first thing first. There are six petitions in this prayer. First three is about God's glory, God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will. The second second part is still very spiritual to pray those things: our needs, our daily bread, physical need our forgiveness of sins, our spiritual need, our our deliverance from evil or the evil one, our moral needs. What is the first thing? Obviously, supreme concern for God's glory. Why is that? Because praying like this, we can deliberately make God's center The center, not only in our prayer, but in our lives. Acknowledging him. Surrendering to his kingship. And otherwise, our natural tendency is, once again, to to get preoccupied with asking God to give us things. And it becomes such a very man-centered spirituality. And men centered spirituality from the time of Baal and to the Americans' superficial prosperity gospel is always popular. Just know that. And Jesus ta- will talk about in the concluding message of, towards the chapter 7 of Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about narrow gate and narrow way. The so true way of Jesus isn't so popular. And there's a reason for that. But that's the coming up in the fu- future uh, messages. Do you see the con- interconnection between those three petitions? If we are indeed truly asking God's name to be hallowed. God's name to be glorified not only in us but through us and over the whole earth. God's name will be honored and treasured and valued. That will naturally lead us to pray for God's kingdom to come. God's kingly reign to come. And if we are praying for God's reign, that will naturally lead us to pray for God's will be done, be obeyed, be submitted, starting with my own heart. And we begin to see that reality in my life. May you glorify, be glorified, in my family, in my home, be glorified, in my church, and in in my city, in the world, be glorified. That's actually essence of the first three uh, petitions. What does it look like uh, when we actually do that? We're actually confessing these things by praying those three prayer requests. Hallowed be your name. That means we are actually confessing, admitting, and surrendering that my most treasured joy, sorry about that, be in your glory. Not, you are not means to an end, my end. You are the end. In Africa, this is one of the, you know, um, the very vivid illustrations that I heard in my younger days. I couldn't find the source, but I'm going to share it anyway. Maybe true story, maybe it's a made-up story, but it sounds just right. The king became a Christian in that little tribe. And find out that he cannot have many wives. And no no longer many wives. So he lined up one day all the wives and concubines. I'm going to choose one out of all of you. Tell me the reason why I should choose you. It's like a reality show. And then, oh, the point of the story is this. I'm going to let you go. Tell me what you want. And if you want um, that section of my land, I'll give it to you. If you want cattles and uh, chickens, I'll give it to you. You name what you want. The one by one, they name everything. Gold, silver, ring. The last one, and putting his head, her head her down. And didn't say anything much. So, what do you want? And she lifted up and said, I don't want anything. I want you. I love you. This is actually a picture of this prayer that God. What I really want, ultimately, is you. I, I know some of us who are cynical is she probably calculated it. If I ask, <laughs> by praying Your Kingdom come, do you know that we are actually saying Your My Kingdom go? Two kingdoms cannot coexist within within our lives. A kingdom of God is undermined, the kingdom of self. The kingdom of self is undermined by the kingdom reign of our divine king. And by praying your will be done, we're actually praying my will be surrendered, thwarted to yours. Number two, you think about the the actual prayer of Your Kingdom Come. Your Kingdom Come essentially means seeking God's royal reign in all aspects. The kingdom consists of three things: king, and the land, and people. So we tend to think about United Kingdom. So because the Kingdom of God sounds a little bit ambiguous to us so you need to think about essentially there will be a new heaven and earth land will be there and then we will be his people but the king is right now a kingship we we never experienced sovereign rule of a monarch so we don't know that but that monarch is absolutely truly holy and good and he's loving Father, the kingship means God's reign over us. And the Greek word come here has a tense of aeroist imperative, which means it is a call for immediate, urgent action, action. In Revelations when John the Apostle is called Lord Jesus, come. Maranatha. It's not just a band of, uh, a name of a band or music record or church name. It is actually the Greek word for Oh Lord, come. Come quickly. So in that final sense, we're asking God's kingdom to come on this earth as well. But the tension right now is that we're living in between times. God's kingdom inaugurated. Jesus, the son of king, came and inaugurated inaugurated the kingdom coming. But on the day, that second time, that when he comes back, it will be kingdom consummated, completed, final, ultimate kingdom will come even on this earth or new heaven and earth so because of that there are three things that we're actually praying when we say your kingdom come we're asking for these three things number one, for God's consummated ultimate, final kingdom to come and the, the Greek word is eschaton from which we got the word eschatology right? End time. The end will come when final kingdom of the Lord Jesus will come and reign over us completely and perfectly. So in the futuristic sense is there, Lord, may your come, may kingdom come, come quickly. But secondly, for God's covenant reign to be actualized, in us as the people of God we're the kingdom citizens so it's a progressive we're being more under the control of under the reign of God and and thirdly for God's reign to be expended in all the earth through us as his workers that's why Wade and Bo, I mean Wade and Helen and Bo and Cindy are going to have gone to the remotest places that in which the name of Jesus is not named among the unreached people groups. And that is, by the way, the ultimate focus that our church declares as our missional focus. There are many important things. But the ultimately for kingdom to come that every tribe and every nation, every ethnic people group needs to be exposed to the gospel of Christ. So you you will hear this kind of imbalanced way of talking about kingdom. The ultra-conservative, theologically conservative people will just think about futuristic. America is Decaying morally, uh, concerned about political processes now, and even this year's you know election coming. Our attitude, if we are imbalanced, could say, "His kingdom will come. Let them be." That's absolutely wrong. And the people who are theologically liberal will say, we need to go into the cities and fight the, just, fight the injustice, and we need to change the what's really wrong with the system, the systematic evil, as well as the pains of the, as a fruit of those injustices and other things. We are to change everything. There's a little bit of truth in both in that, right? But in, in this, we become the center. We become the actor. We become the subject. Rather than God is the actor, God is the initiator, we had a little bit of a proposition through us. Embracing all this, we should say, God, we anticipate your final kingdom. May your kingdom grow in me, that you are... Freely reigning in my family, my life, my church. But Lord, use us to change and to expand the kingdom of God. So ultimately, it will become the consummated consummated kingdom of God. And Revelation 12.10 gives uh, the final sense of kingdom. And Luke chapter 13.18 Verse 18 gives us the progressive that our partnership with God in expanding the kingdom of God as well. Revelation 12, 10 first, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God, our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers, even meaning the Satan, has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. But in the other sense, Luke 13, verse 18, in Jesus' words, he said, therefore what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, small, tiny seed, seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. So God's kingdom, even if it's small thing, when it's surrendered, supernatural work of God is there. So that's why even if you're just merely babysitting in Sheffield, even if you're just carrying the uh, canned food and praying for the people at the food bank, even though you're just merely teaching them English and working with refugees, even though you're merely just visiting Boy and Cindy, that small seed will grow. And you take a courage to teach your children to live in God's way, God's kingdom is growing in your home. With your coworkers, you prayerfully share the love of Jesus through the gospel of Christ. The kingdom grows. I need to wrap it up. I want it to be really tight because of our uh, lunch. Communal lunch being down here, so thank you. Keep keep reminding me, Taco. Your will be done. <laughs> Seeking what God desires as our life mission is the essence of praying. Your will be done. There's two two different wills that we need to be clear about. That God is God's sovereign will. Um, God's sovereign will. Is something that we cannot block. No purpose of your will will be thwarted. Job confesses it in Job forty-two, too. So even the evil, even the suffering, even the things that we cannot understand, doesn't make sense. God's sovereign will, at the end, he will use everything to accomplish his purpose, his will. But there is another type of, if that is a decretive, another is a preceptive. You know, reading through uh, Psalms, we hear the word I love your precepts, meaning another word for commands, right God's preceptive words the will is God's revealed will in scripture and it an implication of that is it calls us to surrender to it and submit to it to obey it. The truth of reality right now is a lot of those preceptive will is disregarded, even among Christ's followers. So to pray that may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why is on it as it is in heaven? Because in heaven is perfectly submitted and done. And the Martin Lloyd Jones has a really good insight on that. The picture of angels submitting and obeying God's will perfectly hundred percent is not because of they don't have a choice and they have dutiful, but because they behold his glory, behold his face, and there is a joy in that the overwhelming sense of compelling joy to obey. That's what it means to pray as it is in heaven because it's perfectly submitted and done. May your will be done on earth. During Jesus' ministry he lived out this. In very famous uh, passages like this in John 4.34 he would say when when his disciples brought lunch to him, master you must be, rabbi, you must be really hungry, and his answer was, Jesus said to them my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work this is what matters most to me, Jesus is saying and Luke 24 verse 41 through 42, this is a Gethsemane, the, the night when Jesus was betrayed and he is praying with almost a drop of uh, blood coming down with s- such intense pain and, and stress. Verse 41, And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup suffering and crucifixion from me nevertheless not my will but yours be done this is an example that we ought to follow and if you look, read it through the epistles Paul prays for God's will be to be revealed and I pray for them in Ephesians 4 that you, their that their eyes might be opened, that spiritualized the the eyes of their heart. That they might be see you, and see the glorious plan. The riches of His glory. So if you if you notice maybe next time when you read through the episodes in Book of Acts, Paul's prayer is actually. God to strengthen people amidst of suffering and pain and persecution he doesn't usually pray to take the suffering and problems go away because he sees the effect of God's kingdom and God's will coming on down coming down the believers of course he prays for the persecutor and the God's protection of his people from the notorious persecutors but we need to see that how about Peter, Apostle Peter praying for sanctification as God calls you royal citizens that you are holy people live out holy life God's will be done don't live a morally and sexually lose life. Live in the eyes of God. God is your Father who is holy, who desires best things for you. Live in the sanctification that God has purposed you. Let me conclude with this In praying God's will to be done, we're actually doing three things. Number one, we acknowledge God's will is wiser and better than ours. Hence the purpose of opening the eyes of the heart is so important. So we are to pray for our children that they might see spiritual things. God's way is better rather than God is a killjoy. And even in our own lives, God, Lord Jesus, continually convince my heart that your way is better than mine, that it is not paying you to get what I really want. So help me see that your Your way and your will is much wiser than anything else. Secondly, we choose God's will, which is the first things, over our will, which are the second things. What God desires is the first thing. What man desires is the second thing. Usually, well-meaning people encourage us to pick the second thing. First thing first. Thirdly, we submit and obey God's will as the best way of life. Let me conclude with two applications. Number one, we are to overcome our difficulties of prayer through the Lord's prayer. Remember, the difficulties of prayer in the beginning, why is it so difficult? Let's revisit that. In in terms of lack of prayer, we are to pray in faith and by faith by remembering that we are praying, our Father in heaven. As for self-centeredness, we are to pray with God-centeredness And pray for others as well. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. As for the the nature of prayer. Wandering thoughts. We are to pray in attentive. Thoughtful dialogue with God. Give us this day. Our daily bread. Specific things. Don't act like you're big. Adults with God. That you don't really. It really doesn't matter. I have food on the table today. No, when you are really trusting, child, do you know that the kids who have an intimate relationship with ours tend to ask more freely. God, I mean, Dad, can I have this? I love the fact that Soran asked for those things. When I say he might not know, when I say no, if I say no, I'm not going to say no. I need to talk with my wife. (laughs) (laughs) How about when it comes to Satan's disturbances? We are to pray to resist the devil, deliver us from the evil one. I said, I'm going to conclude there with this. Just one final quote. Oh, actually, sorry, what? Number two. (laughs) <laughs> we are to make God the center of our prayers trusting that our loving father knows and wills the best things for us I'm just reiterating the points that I, I emphasize throughout the message make God your center by seeking his glory as your most treasured joy make God your center by spreading his kingdom as your most important mission Make God your center by seeking His will as your wisest way, as the wisest way, wisest way of fulfilling your needs. Now, really, final, final. <laughs> Charles Spurgeon writes about this passage, and he writes, "Hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done." in earth as it is in heaven. Let not your prayers be all concerning your sins, your your own wants, your own imperfections, your own trials, but let them climb the starry ladder and get up to Christ himself. And then, as you draw nigh to the blood-sprinkled mercy seat, offer this prayer continually. Lord, extend the kingdom of thy dear Son. Such a petition, fervently presented, will elevate the spirit of all your devotions. Mind that you prove the sincerity of your prayer by laboring to promote the Lord's glory. And to that, I say amen. Let's pray.